Der deutsche Spargelkult müsse enden. Germany's beleaguered defense minister has temporarily dropped his PhD Hi, it's Michelle. Hey, this is Ted. Welcome back to Spaßbremse. We've been hitting the hard econ and political topics in the lead up to the German elections. And as you all know, we've promised to cover some more social and cultural aspects of German society. With the traffic light coalition looming over us, we are, in fact, going to talk about something else. Yes, we are safe in Olaf's hands, or soon to be, and <laughs> we can happily say, yeah, we're, we're able to branch out a little bit from politics. Um, still politics adjacent, but, but a bit more fun, I think. So yeah, what we did this week is we convened a roundtable, uh, Michelle and I, along with our producer Isaac and our good friend Alice. And so we sat down to discuss the various types of alternative medicines that you'll find in this country and the reason for their popularity in Germany. This is something that you're probably familiar with if you've spent time in this country. It's, a, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty ubiquitous here um, in, in an interesting way. And so we wanted to get into why that is and then explore the kind of extreme side of this and look at some of the truly bizarre and outlandish things that pass for medicine in this country. Just to intro this topic a bit, pharmacies in Germany are required to stock homeopathic remedies such as globuli, globules in English, and I find it quite disorienting that these products aren't super clearly marked. It's not like at the grocery store where there's an aisle of organic food that is distinct from the regular stuff. It was really fun to explore this topic with our friend Alice. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, it's a bit more laid back episode and, and conversation. We had a really good time, though. I, I think you guys all enjoy it. And we have one more pretty big announcement um, as well that we should get out of the way. And that is that we finally have a Patreon. Yes, we've we've gone to the dark side like everybody else. Um, no, like we, we wanted to keep everything about the election and politics we wanted to keep that all free so that anyone could get actually like good and accurate analysis about german politics without a paywall throughout the election but like putting all this stuff together takes a super long time like several hours um, for each of us every week we do this and you know i'm a grad student uh, isaac is a freelancer michelle works at akita uh, so you know we're not a we're not raking in we're not raking in money here we're not we're not rolling in the cash so we would really really appreciate it for anyone who can to support us because doing so allows us to actually focus more on doing this podcast and not have to add a bunch of um, dreaded uh, dreaded side hustles uh, the, the word that we don't want to exist in our life we we would like to not have to use that and uh, just be able to focus on the podcast and our sort of day activities so yeah, we're we're going to keep things largely as they are, which is that there'll be at least two of our main kind of, you know, hour-ish long episodes released on the main feed every month. 
But we also are going to then add two pieces of bonus content behind the paywall for anyone who can support us. Um, again, yeah, we'd really appreciate that. Like that will also help us do more normal episodes in the long run as well. Like the more we can, we can get a little bit of sustenance and a little bit of support um, will really help us. Sustainable focus on the, podcasting. Yeah. Sustainable podcasting is what we're yeah. after here. Um, there's also going to be some merch for anyone who subscribes. Um, so yeah, we'll put the link in the show notes and then our first premium episode will be coming out uh, within a week from when you hear this. Yeah, we really appreciate all the positive feedback we've gotten this far and would love to keep doing this as long as we can. There is certainly no shortage of topics to be spaßgebremst. And some of the more in-depth research obviously takes more time. So like Ted said, we'd really appreciate your support. And who knows, maybe I can stop babysitting after work. So if you're able to, please check out the Patreon link in the description. Yes, save Michelle from the uh, the evil Prenzlauer bag parents who uh, Please, are not very nice me. to them. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that link, uh, just in case you don't have access to looking at the show notes, is patreon.com slash spassbremse. That's all spelled out S-P-A-S-S-B-R-E-M-S-E. Uh, but yeah, easiest way to find it is in the show notes. All right. On to the episode. Hi, it's Michelle. Hey, this is Ted. Welcome back to Spaßbremse and welcome to our guest, friend of the pod, Alice. Hi, Alice. Hi. Thanks for coming on. And we're also joined by producer Isaac on the mic this time. Hi. Thanks, guys, for joining. I think I didn't forget about you. Oh, Sorry. Thank you. That, thank, uh, you. <laughs> thank you, Ted. <laughs> of course. We're, uh, we're inclusive here, so we're, we got to mention everybody. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining. And, you know, it's uh, getting to be late October, getting a little chilly out there, maybe. Um, you know, people are starting to catch the sniffles. And so if you're in Germany, there's only one thing to cure that. And that, of course, according to German doctors everywhere, is to just drink some tea or tea trinken, as they as they like to say, the uh, the universal cure all medical treatment in Germany, uh, which, you know, if you've lived here. And so. You know, nothing against tea. I think I think it's nice. Uh, we have a British guest, so we can't uh, we can't be rude to tea. <laughs> and but I think this speaks to this larger trend in Germany, where there are some medical treatments we can say of dubious scientific rigor um, that stretches from homeopathy to anthroposophy, um, and then these more benign natural medicines that are like really ubiquitous in German pharmacies, if you've ever been there. And you see these like different herbal treatments, um, you know, herbs and spices and whatever that are supposed to cure all these different diseases. And, you know, nothing against that. If, if that's what makes you think you feel better, by all means, have at it. What we want to look at on this episode is how some of these treatments and these schools of like medical thought um, or sort of paramedical thought have taken such hold in the country and been to considered like in many cases on par with actual like verified evidence-based science and medicine. And this is like a, a very big trend. You know, there's been some writing about it recently, but there's like many 
um, homeopathic and other types of treatments that are actually like considered science in spite of the evidence and paid by um, the public health insurance here. And so this is it's not the kind of more fringe thing that you see in other countries. Um, you know, this, this stuff is popular almost everywhere. But in Germany, it's institutionalized to a degree that you don't really see in any other Western country. And so that's what we want to get at here. You know, it's not not to just bash like these kinds of treatments. You know, like I said, if if you know this kind of stuff works for you and you like it, like that's all fine. It's more when some of the purveyors of these treatments sort of dismiss stuff that does work like COVID-19 vaccines and then say this uh, these cures are are a stand in for that. And so that's what we want to look at today. And I think if there's really one issue that like sums up the entire thesis of Spaßbremse, it's like it's basically this because like Germany, you know, this land of rationality and science, um, but they love these like useless medicines and they're considered like real science in spite of the evidence. Like, why is that? And it's like this divide between reputation and reality is like the best indication, I think, of our like broader thesis of a podcast. So I think it should make a good episode. If you want to refute a bit of what Ted is saying, I think you can go ahead. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, all, all good. But the only thing I would say is like useless is like standing out to me because what is useless and what is useful in medicine? And like, I think a lot of what we're talking about is the placebo effect. And that's not nothing. And I think sometimes like from the US and the UK, like our own medical cultures, we have a bit of a false dichotomy between like mind and body and are quite quick to dismiss the placebo effect when actually it holds an awful lot of value. Definitely. Yeah, Yeah, I should say, yeah, when I use the word useless, I mean <laughs> useless beyond a placebo effect. So like, you know, like obviously that is a real thing, but like there being a whole well-funded industry of just giving people a placebo to me is like, it's a very circuitous way to get like a very well-studied and normal effect and like having these weird kind of like schools of medical thought and like saying like, oh no, this is like the true cure. And like I said, especially what I take issue with is when these are used in lieu of things that actually do have a medically proven effect on people's health. To me, that's where the problem comes in is when people don't take other cures that are shown to work because they're taking homeopathic medicine. Yeah, which is which is definitely dangerous. But like if you, I mean, I just had a, a little look on my um, local um, nat naturopath or I don't know how we translate it in English, but yeah, um, Heilpraxis in German. And I looked on, on my local um, one's website and the conditions that she's offering to treat are things that like aren't often there isn't often not a cure for in conventional medicine and like we're talking about like chronic stress conditions chronic pain fatigue IB things like IBS where like actually there isn't often a like um well-documented cure for in like more conventional medicine so it's not like she's not offering to cure cancer or HIV or anything like that. And I do agree with you that they definitely, the school of thought uh, definitely goes hands in hands with like the anti-vax movement. But in terms of what, like what these people are offering and what kind of conditions they're helping people out with, in many cases, there's not an alternative. But um, like a different issue is um, 
the family doctors here and how readily they prescribe things and how that can often be like very dismissive yeah yeah i think i mean michelle you said you were you've been at many doctors before and are sort of have been told to to leave in this kind of classic way of like no i'm not really going to help you uh here like but drink some tea and like is that uh right i mean yeah like i am very prone to uh sinus infections and in the u.s you go to the doctor after like two days of um having a sinus infection and they throw antibiotics at you right like this very pharmaceutical uh positive (laughs) culture and they almost without maybe too fast that they do that um and here i've had similar situations where i go to the german doctor describe my symptoms complain a lot and they send you home albeit like with a sick note right and i think that's the important crucial part but they do say like oh just drink some tea and like wait it out and i think being used to the other uh extreme of like getting the antibiotics um doled out it was a culture shock at first coming over here and being like what is this actually about what what is the theory behind um a less inter intervention less intervention in that way yeah yeah and i want to be clear we're not uh we're not a pro-american big pharma podcast here uh, no, but we're no, not no. A, we're not a german <laughs> we're not a pro-german big homeopathy podcast either i'm just like there's something in between like drugging everyone you know with like pharmaceuticals and then just sort of like not helping them at all and telling them to just go like to go drink a sort of just like yeah drink a tea and it's like there's there's a healthcare system in the middle there that that is like effective and uses evidence-based medicine without trying to be as like ruthlessly exploitative and capitalist as possible and so we just want to look at like how germany ended up so far on on one side of it in many ways to the point where people even in critical conditions sometimes are are being given uh yeah, medicine that, like I said, has has no scientific basis. I'll shy away from the term useless because uh, okay, don't want to neglect the placebo effect. Right. And so, so yeah, should we start off with some of the history behind this stuff? Or did you want to say our favorite treatments? I thought. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's um, before we before we get into a couple articles, we've got we've got two very good articles that we have some excerpts from that that do a good job of uh, painting this picture and sort of showing some of these these silly things that you get here as far as healthcare in certain circumstances but first of all i would love if everyone could share if they have like a favorite experience with being prescribed uh something or just have heard of a certain treatment uh with alternative medicine or any anything that's uh that really stood out to you as a kind of kind of quack medicine just so listeners can get an idea of what we're talking about. Yeah, right? absolutely. Not, if you're not familiar with this, if you're not yeah. in Germany, yeah. Let's let Alice start. I have ongoing problems with my tonsils and I went to see a specialist um, about potentially having an operation because I'm having bacterial tonsillitis uh, several times a year. And um, he sent me away with some homeopathic uh, tonsil protectant, which I tried to keep an open mind about. But it was pretty expensive and, um, of course, it didn't work. And uh, I think that's a classic example of uh, trying to get someone out of your office. I don't believe that the specialist thought that that was 
um, going to work. But uh, he wanted me to either feel better or go home. So <laughs> yeah. that's kind of a pretty standard experience. Ideally both, because then you won't come back. Yeah. If you go home and feel better. <laughs> um, Michelle, do you have any, uh, do you have any nice cures you've been, uh, you've been prescribed um, or heard of? Yeah, I guess this falls under the category of alternative treatments. But I had a family friend who would swear by these magnet discs that you tape with like masking tape to certain parts of your body and like one on either side of your wrist and wearing these magnet discs for the prescribed amount of hours a day should like, I don't even know what it was supposed to do, but it, it um, when this person didn't wear them for long enough, any bad occurrence in their lives was attributed to not wearing the magnet discs enough and it like had to do with like spinal alignment and all sorts of things and you know you pick up this plastic disc and you're kind of like you've got to be kidding me I mean it seemed like a, a thing to get attention from your loved ones as well right because you're like mm. look at me I'm like I have to wear these for yeah this but amount seems of more like a mental health issue than right uh, Right. But then somebody is getting paid a ton of money to supervise that process. And that was kind of where I thought to myself, I can't believe this is real. (laughs) Um, Isaac, do you have any uh, anything you'd like to share? Uh, Yeah, kind of. This is not necessarily alternative medicine, but it does sort of go off the whole mention of mental health stuff. Like, um, I think this sort of ties to a general kind of issue that I've noticed where, um, yeah, maybe a a distrust um, that doctors have or medical professionals have for for patients and what they're kind of describing and what they're what they are needing um i I went to fill a prescription recently for um some like antidepressants that i've been prescribed by a psychiatrist and uh the um the the uh, apotheker and the the pharmacist pharmacist. i'm sorry you know i'm just mixing up my german and english all the time now (laughs) um you know, you filled my prescription and said, you know, but you should really just be, you know, taking more vitamin D pills, which I mean, we were just talking before the recording that, yeah, vitamin D is totally like helpful. It is one of these like sort of supplements that does have I've a had a like effect. sun breaking through the clouds like <laughs> moment because I started taking vitamin D. So I was telling yeah. Isaac that earlier, but. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, if you're if you're coming to be to a, a pharmacy to be, you know, fill a prescription for like antidepressants, maybe that's not like the right time for the pharmacist to be sort of telling you that this is what you should be doing instead like I sort of want you're also not their patient right and I was like well obviously like you know I had to go to a psychiatrist to be prescribed this so like I've you know exhausted other options like I'm you know taking vitamin D as well it's not like I'm just I just yeah I think it's sort of like maybe emblematic a little bit of this kind of um also I think it connects kind of with this German like uh like Ratschlag culture like this kind of always wanting to like be giving suggestions, suggestions yeah. of you unsolicited know. advice yeah, is unsolicited a big part advice. of the culture exactly, here yeah. that can be really frustrating and and definitely a culture shock um when you come from a country where it's not really acceptable to give unsolicited advice especially about health matters um it's considered generally quite invasive 
So when someone, for example, is telling you to uh, go on an all potato diet to help with your acid reflux. <laughs> is that kind of Yeah, someone told, that, <laughs> someone told me to do that. It's just kind of annoying. Well, yeah. Also, yeah. if you went through the steps and you're like, I literally went to the doctor. The doctor told me to do this. Like your role is to like give me the thing. Like I don't I like it, it already maybe was like a, a, an onerous or like somewhat traumatic experience to like get this mental health issue dealt with and get prescribed something. I don't need to get shamed by yet another person like on my way to getting treatment. Yeah. Yeah, mine is mine is not so much a treatment, I guess, but just a funny superstition I came into contact with. Um, I was like, uh, we were like on a road trip. I was with a, a few friends or like on a trip and was getting like water and they didn't have any like normal like jugs of water, like uh, of like mineral water, like one of those big like gallon jugs. And so I got one of like distilled water and my german friends were like you can't drink that that'll kill you and they were like convinced that it would because it's like hypotonic or whatever it would like make your body your cells explode um if you drank like like even like a cup of it or like they treated it like it was poisoned and then like i looked up and it's like okay yeah if you only drink distilled water for like two weeks and don't have any salt in your diet you will like have problems but <laughs> probably the least of your issues but yeah it was like this like like very firmly held belief that like this like normal thing that you can just like pick up sometimes like i never really think about whether i buy water and it's like distilled or mineral or whatever and it's because like, there's only mineral water here yeah yeah but you, you know especially in like u.s supermarkets like you just grab a thing at distilled water i don't really know why like it tastes distilled. better yeah. sorry it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> mess up your coffee machine i guess if you have one of those espressos i don't know but i just thought yeah that was a that was a funny thing but now should we move into some of our kind of core core content here? I think we should start with a little bit about homeopathy, where it comes from and how it acquired its place in the German medical system. Um, Michelle, do you want to read us an article? There was this pretty good uh, Bloomberg thing. Yeah, unless Alice wants to say something. No, I was just going to say, which I guess you're kind of doing now, but like, do you want to define some terms? Like, like yeah. what is homeo <laughs> like just the actual terms like what is homeopathy what is alternative medicine right yeah so we'll get going first with homeopathy which i think kind of incorrectly is used as like a catch-all for for all different types of alternative medicine it is like a very specific thing um homeopathy meaning like same treatment like this idea of the, the sort of slogan it's always used is, is like treats like and the article will get into this a bit and um, and so, yeah, this was originally in, I think, first invented by Samuel Hahnemann, a German, in 1796. And at the time, it became very popular because it was like comparatively extremely effective, um, not due to it actually doing anything because the dilutions they would give you are basically like just there's nothing there. Um, but other medical treatments were so bad that like it, homeopathy had like relatively good outcomes. So it's like if someone's offering you like water or like leeches, like the water. As it, opposed like, to like really bloodletting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, you have to look at the the time period. Exactly. And what the yeah. <laughs> alternatives were. So. Yeah. yeah. So so that was like when it was first founded. Um, but yeah, this this Bloomberg article that came out recently uh, gets into some of the specifics about it. And then we'll talk about one other influential school of thought in uh, the sort of, yeah, like the 
the broad alternative, the the sort of the extra the extra scientific medicine, I guess we can call it like that. Extra, okay. <laughs> Let's commence the reading series. This was an article in Bloomberg called Homeopathy Doesn't Work. So why do so many Germans believe in it? This is by Sammy Emery. And I'm just going to start reading and you guys can chime in whenever. The pseudoscience of homeopathy was invented in Germany in the 18th century by a maverick physician named Samuel Hahnemann. Samuel Hahnemann. His theory was based on the ancient principle of like cures like, akin to the mechanism behind vaccines. The remedies Hahnemann developed meant to help the body heal on its own, originate as substances that with excess exposure, like pollen, can make a patient ill, in this case with hay fever, or kill them. Arsenic is used as a treatment for digestive problems, and the poisonous plant belladonna is meant to counteract pain and swelling. These substances are diluted again and again and shaken vigorously in a process called potentization or dynamization. The resultant, rem- the resultant remedies typically contain a billionth, trillionth, or, well, a zillionth, 10 to the minus 60th, if you're counting. I honestly didn't know a zillion substance. was like a real number. Like, I, I thought that was like a thing little kids say when they want to say a big number. Maybe that speaks <laughs> to my mathematical ignorance. But like, I, I was like, wait, that that's an actual amount of something that, that, that can be. So one, yeah, one zillionth. One zillionth. One zillion years is something that little kids do say a lot, though, so I can understand why. <laughs> when they're, like, waiting for two seconds and they're like, this is taking zillions of seconds. And you're like, that's fake. <laughs> Continuing here. Today, homeopathy is practiced worldwide, particularly in Britain, India, and the U.S., where there's a monument to Hanuman on a traffic circle. Um, that's a rotary, sorry. But six blocks north of the White House, and especially... Germany. A rotary? A roundabout. Okay, we call it a rotary in Massachusetts. Um, I think I think I think most of our listeners will understand the normal term for this, which is a roundabout. (laughs) But yeah, this is like we didn't even I mean, I commented on the number itself, but like the idea like these things like being a zillionth of a particle in a thing like it's there's nothing there like you can't like so this is like a lot of these remedies like they have these like fractions of fractions of fractions of something that would be harmful in a normal amount and it becomes not harmful not because it's like good for you but because there's just basically nothing there like that that to me that to me is why like this is like effective is because there's like a placebo and there's nothing harmful because there's like literally nothing there yeah so don't get too hung up on them there being nothing there because that's that's not the point <laughs> right Right, but there's just a lot of, like it's it's like I said it's a very like uh it's a very long-winded way to get to the placebo effect, which is like you you can do that in a lot of ways. So getting I to do, like I I wonder if they're actually doing it in the factory. I was thinking about this too. I was like <laughs> I saw some video on one of the uh öffentliche Rundfunk things and I forgot to watch it and to prep for this, but I was wondering like what kind of quality control is going on at these manufacturing because if it's globuli. sugar pill, then yeah. you probably would just knock out the sugar pills. And, right? and some some pharmacies make them in house, right? 
I can't imagine that they're doing some sort of suspension, one to the 100th and then one to the 1,000th and like doing these like titration things in the back of a... Yeah, with like arsenic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It up and <laughs> the Hanuman guy was like, when, when he was critiqued by people, I read this somewhere else, was like, they were like, well, there's nothing in there, man. He was like, yeah, yeah, but if you shake it in this like really special way, it like, it makes Vigorously? it Vigorously? Like it's all about I the think, style of the shaking of the yeah, song. about like the water retaining. Water memory yeah. is the, is the yeah. term that they use. And they say that it's um, not observable by um, mainstream science. Uh, oh, like the molecules rearrange themselves and that... And yeah, like none of this okay. like can be explained by like conventional physics or chemistry. So right. that's, but that's really not the point and they also don't claim that. So right. let's not get too hung up on it. Okay. I think the ritual or maybe the idea of the ritual is quite important to people. Oh, definitely. And that adds yeah. to the placebo. Yeah, but I think, I, I do think like, I mean, it's basically just fraud, right? Like if you're like, okay, like you get someone to take like, no, I'm, I'm going to push you on this, Alice, because I think it's like, it's like, I get what you're saying, that placebo effect is good. If it makes you feel better, it makes you feel better. But like, if you're saying there's something here and you're like charging a good amount of money for it, especially getting paid back by like taxpayers and the public healthcare system for something that's no different than a placebo, like that is basically fraud. And if we're going to say like, it's okay to lie to get people a placebo effect, like are like conservative talk radio people selling dick pills? Like, are they also good? Like, is that fine? Like, <laughs> and can you say the thing about the NHS. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is like a medical ethics issue, right? And this is why the National Health Service in the UK um, stopped funding homeopathy um, in large part because, yeah, they say that um, if your doctor is prescribing you a placebo effect um, and they're not telling you that that's what they're doing, then that's um, not informed consent and that's why that's one of the main reasons why um, it's not publicly funded anymore in the UK which makes a lot of sense I'm not a medical ethics expert but I do think there's also a whole of other stuff that probably doesn't work and is more part of our own medical cultures for example a lot of vitamin supplements right because you end up peeing them out yeah <laughs> And we're not as critical about those. Yeah, yeah. I found that comparison interesting too, because like when it, growing up, like I always, you know, would take, uh, you know, like vitamin C pills. I don't know why. Like I just, I mean, I guess I was told that it would stave off, you know, common cold and stuff like this. But I have no, I mean, that probably is not. It, I think it depends on the vitamin. Yeah. Um, and there are some things that are really helpful and like um, there's a lot of evidence for it like vitamin D, but there or are B12, a lot of other things. If you don't eat meat oh, yeah. and you like have to take yeah. B12, otherwise you can have a serious brain dysfunction. Again, <laughs> we are not medical professionals. Oh yes. Take your B12 shots. Um, <laughs> but None of us are doctors. Um, yeah. If you don't have a deficiency in some of these things, you're just, you're not, I believe that you're not really helping, um, topping up. Right. And like vitamin C pills are probably only relevant if like you're a, sailor and you're yeah. prone to scurvy or something <laughs> in which case it would be really useful yeah really useful <laughs> but if you're eating you know fruits and vegetables you're probably okay and the same goes for um probiotic drinks which are like extremely popular in the uk i don't know about um the us but uh it's uh yeah probiotics can be really helpful but um my understanding is that it needs to be more tailored to your specific 
um requirements of your of your gut and like uh off the shelf like yogurt drink that's full of sugar is probably not going to help but it does make people feel better right and i do i do think there's just a lot of that in all of our cultures in general and we're not saying that that is fraud yeah we're just picking apart the particularities of the german version of this right that's what right yeah like i'm not i'm not at all endorsing any of like the us or uk or like anywhere other like any of those medical systems i just think like the way a particular type of medicine caught on and acquired institutional legitimacy here i think is like particular particularly interesting and then does also reveal more about those other systems and like how like how to root out some of this like nonsense medicine or how to at least like acknowledge and and like put things in context of like you know how like how do you talk about like a placebo or how like how how do we like go about these sort of like cures that are like there's maybe some science there but not really and so but yeah like i just think the the german example is so pronounced and it's so widespread that i think it definitely warrants some kind of investigation without like condoning the medical systems in other countries it makes me think of this pop science thing that's been going around recently i I hate to say that I saw a TikTok or a few TikToks about it, but only because they landed on Twitter. I don't look at TikTok. But this um, thing about the minimum require, the minimum necessary hugs per oh, yeah. day <laughs> to like maintain, what is it, your level of happiness or like, or like maintain. Serotonin also. Yeah. And it just made me that's imagine just like, what if that's doctors. That's just made up by like a creepy <laughs> give me a hug guy. oh my god that's a horrifying thought but what if doctors were to just prescribe like go hug your friends eight times a day you know like i feel like (laughs) where's my hug (laughs) stop (laughs) i'm not that guy anyone that knows me can attest that i'm like one of the most hug averse people (laughs) the pandemic was a dream for you (laughs) I'm going to continue reading. How about we that? keep going off on tangents. I'm sorry. It's just me. <laughs> All right. Practitioners, however, differ greatly in their approach. Some only prescribe remedies cataloged in homeopathic reference books. Others take a more metaphoric bent, offering treatments that contain a fragment of the Berlin Wall. <laughs> I'm sorry. Contain a fragment of the Berlin Wall to cure feelings of exclusion and loneliness or a powder exposed to cell phone signals as protection from radiation emitted by mobile handsets. Yo, you, what are you guys doing this weekend? Do you want to like crush up some Berlin Wall, <laughs> snort it and like go party at the go party at the campus for democracy? <laughs> I, I actually want to ingest some Berlin Wall. I think that would yeah, be Yeah, yeah. This this is see this is bringing everything together. It goes with our like kill the Mauerumkopf episode. Like this exactly, is Exactly. That'll cure the Mauerumkopf. We should yeah, we should like we should put it in like micro fragments, put it in one zillion or one one part per zillion and and then put that in the water in East Germany in order to repair the divisions <laughs> of the wall because like cures like. And so like the only way to make Germany truly unified is to make Easterners drink Mauavasa. You're joking, Ted, but I'm pretty sure. I'd put money on that have ha- having happened. 
That's why no one voted for Dilinka. <laughs> That's why they all drink bottled water. <laughs> the Mawavasa was too effective. Um, right. Let's continue on. <laughs> Homeopathy is a multi-billion dollar global industry with hundreds of tincture and globule... globule. Is that the English translation of yeah, globuli? Yeah, glo globuli, yeah. Okay. So we've got the multi-billion dollar global industry with hundreds of tincture and globule makers led by Francis Boyron S.A., which reported sales topping $600 million in 2020. German manufacturers had combined revenue approaching $750 million last year, according to researcher IQVIA Inc., you know what? I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They are actually doing the dilution out the back of the apotheca and in the factory because otherwise I feel like there would have been a whistleblower by now. Right. It's just like <laughs> a giant water plant and they're just like... Ted is going to go undercover Yeah, let's in the that. homeopathy industry. If not, he's going to apply for a job. <laughs> deep cover. Blow the lid off it. Deep cover in Equivia Inc. <laughs> The arsenic factory at the Mawav. But I'm like, yeah, what do they like? Where do they get like? Where do you like buy arsenic? Like, who is selling you arsenic on an industrial scale to be like, yeah, I know, I'm putting it. I'm gonna dilute. Well, they only it so need much, like but. one drop. <laughs> so, anyways, I'm gonna keep reading. The bulk of that was via direct sales to consumers, as the vast majority of homeopathic products are widely available without a prescription. Roughly half of Germany's population has used homeopathic preparations, and about 70% of those say they're satisfied with the treatment. So, half of Germany. That's... That's fine. Like if, again, yeah. like if they're happy with it, that's fine. To me, it's like this: the industry and the governmental connections uh, that, that we'll get to. I think, that's, I think that's where this becomes kind of an ethical issue. Okay. In 1978, the German parliament, under pressure from industry lobbyists, exempted homeopathic remedies from the barrage of tests required to approve drugs for medical use. If, the act states, homeopathic doctors claim that remedies work, that alone is proof of their efficacy under German law. Under this ruling, all homeopathic remedies are considered by, quote, internal consensus to have an effect beyond placebo. And like this, this is yeah. So this is what really gets me is like no other treatment is subject like is subject to this lack of like this lack of evidence and this lack of proof. It's like all the people purveying something, if they just get together and say it works, the government says, okay, we trust you. And like, you know, none of the research, there's been no research to say that this actually like to say actually any of this has an effect beyond placebo like we said earlier it does have a placebo effect that is good whatever but like the fact that they can basically lie to the government and get money for this stuff based on a ridiculous burden of proof it like just makes no sense yeah it's strikingly unregulated in a society that really values regulation yeah and i i have an example actually maybe this is a good time for the um lack of regulation. I went to the pharmacy today and I was looking at some, well, it's cough medicine in form, but it's called Klosterfrau uh, Melissengeist Traditionelles Pflanzliches Arzneimittel. So woman of 
cloister. Is that how you say cloister? None. Nuns, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I always do. I always like directly translate. And okay, so it's. <laughs> I wish. I wish I could show everybody this image. Can you show it? Can you show it on the Zoom screen? Can oh, you put it yeah. in front of the computer. Oh yeah. Okay, so yeah, there's like a typical church window with three nuns and then like a bunch of fruit and salad in front of them. It's. <laughs> fruit and salad yeah it's um plants oh okay. so but the thing about this cough syrup that i which is why i thought of it is that it's only approved because it's been proven in the past to be something that works for people it literally says like this treatment is a traditional treatment that is only approved and registered because of people's experience using it for so long right so like that's one way of saying that basically medicine yeah and like this is slightly i guess distinct from homeopathy but it's like it's like a t traditional medicine too like i think it all falls under this umbrella and it's like it's basically just grandfathered in as a treatment like it's like oh well people in the middle ages swore by it so uh it's a valid thing now like well no it doesn't show any effect like beyond placebo but uh yeah, it's been around for a while, so it works. It's fine. But is there is there a like um, actual pharmaceutical treatment for coughs that work? Actually, no. I think that's a stupid question. Um, yeah, it's called drinking a lot of tea. Yeah, and staying home. <laughs> I don't know. It's called the good stuff they give you in America. That like yeah, it's really high. Yeah. Tell me, Ted. I think you might be a shill for Big Pharma. <laughs> You're playing the long game with this podcast. We'll include the sponsor message from Nyquil at the better. end. <laughs> I guess that so this is not homeopathy, this particular product. But what really struck me when I was visiting the pharmacy, going looking for <laughs> um, these alternative treatments, is the design of the packaging being so traditional, regional, German stereotypes kind of stuff. There's this other one called like bittere Schwedentropfen. It's like a traditional black forest. Yeah, outfit. they have like the housewife in the in the getup with the apron and a basket full of plants and she even has a veil on and yeah, it's, and it's written this in this in this what is the old German um Fraktur. font? Yeah. That just kind of gives me bad well, vibes. Well, no, this stuff <laughs> this stuff is what I was saying is like it to me it all represents like i've used this term a lot on the pod and, and various places but like it's like the schwarzgrün mindset of like this combination of like unproven medical treatments kind of like hippy dippy alternative woo woo stuff and like kind of weird like fash adjacent traditionalist like this like medieval right like like just like and but like that's the imagery for all of the stuff and like not to say like homeopathy breeds bad politics or there's anything like there, but like, but like, but like the fascists, the Nazis did love this stuff. So like there's, there's like a weird connection here. And I'm not like saying it's causal or like, if you are a fan of this type of medicine, I'm not like implying anything about your politics, but like there is a weird, like there is a weird linkage between these like right wing conservative images. And then like these like sort of, what you'd more think of as like a left-wing, like alternative type thing. 
And then on the back, they have a, an actual photograph of this woman, um, Maria Trieben, and they have the day she was born and the day she died, which is so, you know, like, this is tradition. Like, look at look at this old woman. Well, did she live a long time at least? Like, do we, is this a good anecdote um, for like 80 something 83 years and okay, she led she led a happy and fulfilled life when we should just stress um stress to listeners the effort that we put in here michelle this is we're recording on a sunday michelle went all the way to find an apotheca in bahnhof because they're the only ones that are open on sundays to do this research to to bring you these facts so this is and this I is failed, the dedication that we put into field work me. yeah <laughs> shoot okay i'm gonna keep reading the lovely article that we have. Let's um, do it. Yeah. Germany's public health insurance providers reimburse some costs of homeopathic treatment, and more than 7,000 of the country's 150,000 doctors specialize in the practice. Non-medical professionals, such as Heilpraktiker, can also prescribe remedies after passing an examination, and it's not uncommon for German MDs Doctors, medical doctors medical doctors to suggest homeopathic concoctions such as tincture of mercury and dandelion globules alongside more conventional medicines i just want to go on record saying that my profession sounds very similar to heilpraktika because it has the same prefix of heilpädagogin but it's not the same and i clearly know nothing about this <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, actually, one th okay. This is maybe not relevant, but one thing that I'm just thinking about is like, okay, so if these globules contain, you know, one trillionth of a whatever or zillionth of mercury, for example, like negligible amount, you're probably consuming more just going through your life on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Like if you're eating like fish or drinking. Yes. That's like a good just, point. Yeah. You're probably right, but this is why there's like a ritualistic process that's important i think and it comes in a box and it has like the little settle like the packungsbeilage that tells you about all the possible side effects and right like it comes packaged in right a certain way this is what they should have said for the palace de republique when they were like no no we should keep it open because it has asbestos and so everyone will be exposed to homeopathic <laughs> amounts and it'll actually make you really healthy and or like resistant to fire yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm getting so many ideas here for treatments. Maybe we, maybe I should go into being a Heilpraktikerin. Let's continue here. In April 2020, the German branch of the Hahnemann Association, a global group that promotes homeopathy, published an article claiming that the first seven days of a COVID-19 infection could be treated homeopathically without specifying any particular remedies. By December, when Germany's transmission rate was soaring and ICU patients numbered in the thousands, the group declared that masks were no longer necessary, that vaccines are worse than the virus, and that homeopaths should work in intensive care units. Oof. Okay, yeah. I agree with you, Ted. That is bad. <laughs> yeah, this is what I mean. It's like, okay, you take it on your own time. That's your own thing. Do it. But, like, if the organizations that support this and back this stuff up are then trying to deny people or at least encouraging their people to like not take these things like that's a problem like that's a public health problem and that's like just deeply immoral to me yeah i mean that that's just really 
Yeah, and that's another one of the reasons why the the National Health Service in the UK um, want to discourage this is because they believe that um, it weakens the public's trust in more conventional medicine, which in the case of vaccines is a is a massive problem. And it and if you look at the vaccine uptake um, in Germany, it's actually really low especially compared to the UK and there's a lot of reasons for that but you can definitely see um some you can see wh- where they're coming from in that case it is just so bizarre that the theory behind vaccines is like exposing you to a little bit of the pathogen the like treats like thing like they mentioned at the beginning of the article and that this entire practice claims to be about the same thing and then yeah but if you're getting if you feel really disillusioned with conventional medicine and then you're feeling like you're getting positive results from um, alternative medicine. You can see why you course, like increasingly start to lose trust in the um, more conventional approach. Yeah. Well, they should start like um, branding or like marketing the vaccines as like homeopathic things. Like say that they went through some you know process of the shaking and the water memory stuff. Or put a woman in a. A black forest traditional outfit on the <laughs> exactly yeah on the label to do the trick. <laughs> um, one of the few points of agreement between advocates and skeptics of homeopathy is that the remedies contain a chemically insignificant amount of the original substances. As cognitive psychologist Bruce Hood puts it in The Science of Superstition, you would need to drink more than six thousand six hundred gallons of the solution. That's a lot of liters. You would need to drink that much to get a single molecule of the original substance. Or as physician and poet, oh nice, Oliver Wendell Holmes quipped in his 1842 work, Homeopathy and Its Kindred Delusions, the waters of 10,000 Adriatic Seas. It's a lot of liters. In 2015, the Australian National Health and Medical Research Council published a meta-analysis of almost 200 studies on homeopathy, seeking evidence that the practice worked beyond the placebo effect. It didn't find any. In 2017, a British group updated the report and came to the same conclusion, recommending that physicians stop providing homeopathic remedies. The National Health Service soon pulled the plug on most funding for such treatments, even though the royal family frequently consults homeopathic doctors and a company owned by Prince Charles has sold a homeopathic tincture made from artichokes and dandelions. See, Alice, like, do you want to be on the side of the royals or the NHS? The dividing (laughs) lines are pretty clear here. If you could choose uh, royals, NHS. Which is a better institution in British society? All right, um, skipping ahead here, I'm just gonna kind of wrap up with the conclusion of the article. In 2019, the Medical Association in the northern city of Bremen banned medical professionals from seeking further education in homeopathy, effectively barring doctors from getting homeopathic certification. At least nine other German states have since followed suit. Actually, okay, a so maybe days there's ago, some there's some progress. Maybe there's some progress here, right? And last night when I was reading about this, um, Bayan, Bavaria, has done the same thing. So it seems like the tide is turning a little bit against this practice. And this is like in the traditional medical training that you don't get further training to specialize in homeopathy Mm. and that it's literally not allowed to do so. 
Skeptics recommend following the strategy of the UK and France, where public health systems no longer pay for it. The German government, though, has been reluctant to take this step. In 2019, Health Minister Jens Spahn said the public health system spends only 20 million euros a year on homeopathic remedies, or roughly 0.05% of the system's budget for drugs. Here's a quote from Spahn. I simply decided it's okay the way we've got it. Well, if you know anything about how Germans deal with public finances, um, 20 million and just like being like, oh, that's fine. It doesn't really matter. Like people will pinch pennies on like anything here. So it's clearly the like political sensitivity of the issue that they don't want to address. And yeah, it's like, I guess it's not that much money in total, but it's like, it's what it says about the whole like ideology and, and the like, you know, the, the practice behind this is like when the government's paying for it, it gives it a bunch of legitimacy. And, you know, like, I don't care if there's like high practices out there. Um, but it's weird too. Like you were talking, Michelle, that like the, they're ending it now in many cases, but the idea that like you'd get non-scientific education as part of becoming a mainstream, like medical doctor is like very strange. Like, like how intertwined the two have been is like something I find very problematic. If it wants to be its own thing on the side, whatever. But like conflating evidence-based medicine and homeopathy to me is very problematic because yeah, Alice, like you said, it can breed a kind of like lack of trust of like, what's the real, like what's the real medicine here? And it's like, no, there's basically one real medicine, the one that there's evidence for. I think you're right to have, that nobody wants to touch this issue because even the insurance providers I was reading about, because some public insurance providers do reimburse these treatments and some don't. And one of these articles I read was trying to get after the fact, like, why is that the case? And if they were basing it in evidence or like, why do they reimburse? And basically one of the biggest... Um, insurance providers, insurance companies, the Technica Krankenkasse said that they have no position as to the effectiveness, but they are reacting to wishes of their clients, of their customers. So really nobody wants to like touch this. <laughs> Which like to me it would be fine if the system were overflowing with resources and overflowing with money. But like you you know, if you know anyone that's tried to find, like, say, psychotherapy in Germany on public health insurance, it's like virtually impossible. Um, I, I assume there's probably a number of other things like that. So, like, where there's money and where there's not money, I find a bit curious. Like, you know, there's something that's like definitely shown to work, um, like psychotherapy, but then something that isn't beyond a placebo. And then that's funded. And it's like, OK, like I would love to live in a world with a public health care system that could just fund like people's little things and they like want to take drink a special tea or like a special yogurt or like go I want to be paid to hug go to the friends. sauna like I would love every all hug that to be I give a friend for. should be reimbursed in like with like 20 euros per hug yeah yeah <laughs> whatever like you know give let, let the hug guys cash in you know like no <laughs> not that i was trying to make it cute ted god <laughs> yeah and I, I think it's particularly galling like um as a woman experiencing the um like women's health system here which is extremely expensive like coming from um 
a system where everything is is free or they gouge you here uh, yeah and and very moralizing right um it's yeah again not particularly evidence-based um a lot is based in superstition and um quite old-fashioned morals and uh contraception is extremely expensive and let's not even start on abortion episode forthcoming about abortion rights in germany so yeah that's why we're exactly. not starting about it because it's gonna probably be a two-parter <laughs> yeah um no i think that's a great point and like yeah the whole thing ties into like yeah like i said what's paid for and what's not like this was a a study from um it was in a medical journal actually like looking at patient facetime by country in germany physicians spend on average eight minutes per patient um, in the U.S., that figure is above 20 minutes. Again, like obviously everyone knows the U.S. system like costs a fortune and is ridiculous. So, like that's that's not the model. But like the idea that you're spending eight minutes on average. And like I think all of us here have had experiences where you're in and out speaking to the doctor for like maybe two to three minutes. And they just like whisk you out as quickly as possible and make you feel very uneasy discussing your problems. And I think this is one of the reasons maybe why people find homeopathy convincing and good is because often it involves like hours long consultations and like repeatedly talking through these problems that are affecting you. And like that has an effect in its own right. Like people want to feel heard and they, they want to feel like someone actually cares. And so I think that is a big degree of the effectiveness. And in that sense, like that's what the standard, like quote, mainstream medical system needs to learn from the homeopathic one is like increasing patient care, like actually like being like a more holistic thing and a holistic system for your patients where you go in and you feel like they actually give a shit about you rather than it's just in and out like a machine. And so like that has to do with the funding to make the system actually work for people. But like the medicine itself, it's not there, but the actually caring about people aspect like that, that is good. And that is something to be emulated. Also the system itself is incredibly inefficient from an economic perspective um, why is my health insurer advertising to me on Instagram? Like to me, that's really symbolic of like the wasteful system where everyone's taking something off the top and a lot of money is being wasted on, for example, marketing. I got yeah. a, a targeted ad today from my um, insurance provider that they have a podcast now. So I'll be checking that out. Um, one of the reasons why the FaceTime between patients and doctors is so low in Germany is that prior to 2013, doctors could not get patient conversations that lasted longer than 10 minutes reimbursed with the insurance um, providers, except when that conversation and that patient um, was experiencing a life-threatening illness. Okay, so they were incentivized to keep all appointments below 10 minutes because if it goes over you're not getting paid for that as a doctor yeah so you can see why people would then be drawn to homeopathy because like you're exactly. there like and at the, the same doctor's time like looking at their watch constantly being like come on get out of here get out of here and then like someone will just sit and talk to you for a few hours like, because I, I that it. was reimbursed the first homeopathic appointment could take over an hour and that would be reimbursed by the insurance providers so there's a huge disparity <laughs> yeah no, it makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Does anyone else have anything to add? I wanted to kind of get into some more, some kind of updated stuff about, um, you know, 
has the pandemic made Germany reconsider uh, their devotion to some of these these cures? Has it? Well, <laughs> got a great article for you from a little while ago. This is from The Guardian. Um, it's from earlier this year. It says, Ginger root and meteorite dust, the Steiner COVID cures offered in Germany. And this is Philip Ultermann uh, for The Guardian, like I said. So, yeah, I think this is a, this is a pretty... A pretty great article because it, um, you know, you'd think, okay, a deadly pandemic sweeping the country. Okay, it's probably time to embrace a little more scientific approach. Let's see if that was true. Okay, starting now. In a pandemic where global leaders have peddled quick treatments and miracle cures, sorry, peddled quack treatments and miracle cures, Germany has often stood out as a shining beacon for science. In the country that developed the first diagnostic test to detect the coronavirus and the first vaccine approved in the West to shield people against the disease. Um, is that first vaccine approved in the West? Okay, I was going to say, I think the, the Chinese and Russians got their first. It just, they weren't approved. Anyway, um, it is a country whose physicist chancellor told Parliament she passionately believes, quote, there's a scientific findings that are real and those should be followed. Um, so this is starting out with two paragraphs that sound like they're written um, by like by us and a joke being like, wow, Germany, <laughs> the like the scientific country that's so great and advanced, um, which is the thing the we're always railing counselor. against. Yeah, the sci yeah, exactly. The physicist Her chancellor. most important quality, right? It informs everything she does, actually. Exactly. Okay, so starting off with, with the kind of uh, stuff that we love to rail against, but then it gets, it gets better. But Germany is a country where some people who fall severely ill with COVID-19 can find themselves taken to hospitals where they are treated under sedation and without a formalized opt-in procedure with ginger-coated chest compresses and homeopathic pellets containing highly diluted particles of iron supposedly harvested from shooting stars that have landed on Earth. Nice. I want that job. I want to be the, the, the iron shooting star hunter. <laughs> yeah, wait. No, seriously, where did they find that? They just, like, took it from a museum? From the, like, <laughs> from the archives of, of the geological? I mean, wait. yeah, I guess if you only need one zillionth of it, like, you can just, like, scrape a little on your fingernail off at the, like, Natural History Museum and be like, we're good. <laughs> That's what I was picturing. I mean, yeah. I don't see how else they procured that. I want to know the I want to know the the shooting star har harvesting industry. <laughs> Follows of the spiritual scientist and self-proclaimed clairvoyant Rudolf Steiner advocate such therapies to fight the coronavirus because of a supposed anxiety-relieving effect on soul and body and ability to strengthen the inner relationship to light. Okay, promising. <laughs> I love strengthening my inner relationship to love. It's taking vitamin D. It works, and I um, endorse <laughs> it. <laughs> there are no peer-reviewed studies or clinical trials proving the effectiveness of these remedies, and they are not included in the official treatment guidelines issued by Germany's leading intensive care associations. Okay, good to hear. Yet in Germany, some of these therapies have been given to critically ill patients throughout the pandemic at Steiner hospitals, such as... Gemeinschaftskrankenhaus Havelhöhe, uh, one of a network of 16 clinics in Berlin offering intensive care to COVID-19 patients 
under the oversight of the prestigious Charité University Hospital. So this would be like a hospital overseen by like Harvard Medical Center offering meteorite fragments or something. Like Charité is like a world class hospital, like like not not just by like German standards, but by like global standards. So like that's uh, that's not super reassuring. The country's public health insurance companies, which are part financed by German taxpayers, have duly picked up the tab via flat rate payments for hospital treatment of coronavirus patients. However, public acceptance of the movement and its philosophies is facing renewed scrutiny after a year in which Germans have seen followers of, of the Steiner philosophy march alongside anti-vaxxers and the far right in protest at the government's measures against the coronavirus. Best known outside Germany for the left-leaning schools focused on self-directed play and wooden toys, those being the, the Waldorf schools, right? Yeah. Oh, no, but isn't Waldorf and Steiner the same? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but we in the UK, we call them Steiner schools. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. But also, I think that might be Montessori, the wooden toy thing. No, Montessori means everything is child-sized. Ah, okay. Yeah. Some of, there's a lot of overlap between the toys. Okay, sorry. Yeah. But, (laughs) sorry, I won't. Yeah. And so this is, this is a little, uh, (laughs) this is a little, I guess, starting a little after homeopathy, this is a different thing. Anthroposophy is the the name of this movement um, from from Steiner. Born in 1861 as a citizen of the Austrian Empire, Steiner claimed to have access to higher spiritual planes that gave him insights into reincarnation, links between cosmic bodies and plant growth, and evolutionary history, including the years of Jesus's life not covered by the Bible and the sunken continent of Atlantis. That's very convenient uh, to only know about the years not covered by... <laughs> Bible, be able to fill those gaps. Got like the, yeah, the the unreleased tapes of, of Jesus. <laughs> nice. I love this. Such a great like mismatch of stuff. Like again, this like weird combination of like tradition and like new age bizarro stuff. Like, like oh yeah, I, I know like I'm more Christian than the Christians. I know even more than the disciples. Uh, but also, yeah, Atlantis and uh, cosmic bodies and plant growth. Sweet. Steiner's belief in illnesses as rites of passage that are necessary to purge spiritual imbalances is starkly at odds with the basic foundations of modern science. I like that sentence, yeah. And yet, anthroposophy has made considerable inroads into a public-private healthcare system that puts stress on consumer choice. There are no fewer than 10 Steiner hospitals in Germany, and anthroposophic medicine we had to listen to like the actual pronunciation of this word like 10 times before doing this episode because we couldn't figure out how to say this word anthroposophic medicine is tolerated in germany by a law referring to these as a special therapeutic form meaning remedies can be approved for use without external proof of their effectiveness again the same similar thing as what we're talking about with homeopathy where they're doesn't need to be any scientific evidence that it's effective beyond placebo. You can just say it works. As recently as 2019, the conservative health minister, Jens Spahn, chose not to remove homeopathic remedies, right? As we, as we talked about, um, they kind of conflate anthroposophy and homeopathy, which, um, in this article, so they, they refer to Steiner as homeopathy, which I think is not quite true, although there's some overlap. But the pandemic is testing the German tolerance for Steiner's esotericism in more ways than one. 
So back to the hospital here, just skipping ahead a little bit. Yeah, this bit's really funny. Yeah. The clinic insisted that the alternative remedies it used were adjunct therapies that complement traditional treatments. Common remedies used at three German Steiner hospitals that have treated coronavirus patients over the last year, Havelhoe, Stuttgart's Filde Klinik, und Herdecke in the Ruhr Valley, were first, um, were first advocated in a March article in the medical journal published by the Steiner Movement's Global Center in Dornach, Switzerland, an expressionist congress hall with not a single right angle. Nice. Uh, well, you have to check it out. I bet it's a cool looking building. They include moist chest compresses with powdered ginger root, mustard flour or yarrow tea, as well as potentized phosphorus and correspondingly potentized meteoric iron in the form of homeopathic pellets. Okay, so yeah, this is like distinct from homeopathy, but incorporates a lot of it. Uh, Vala, a manufacturer based in Germany, told the observer its pellets, which have been widely prescribed as a preventative for COVID-19 at Steiner Care Homes for Disabled People. Read that back. These fake pellets have been prescribed as a preventative for COVID at care homes for disabled people where there have been insane death rates early in the pandemic. Like, not good. Contain ground down remnants of meteorites that haven't fully burnt up after entering the Earth's atmosphere. Where are they getting the meteorites? I know this is like besides the point and just a tangent. Meteorites fall all the time. There was just a story in Canada last week where um, a meteorite literally... Uh, landed in someone's bed while she was sleeping. Like it went through her roof and she woke up and there was like a meteorite next to her. And she proceeded to carry it. Did she know she's now a millionaire? Yeah, yeah. She then forwarded that to the Steiner. Yeah, I don't think it's that hard to get your hands on a shooting star if you want to. Okay. That's interesting. (laughs) Back to the point. Uh, Yeah. A Havelhoa spokesperson said there were no scientific studies proving that these remedies worked and that there had not been enough time to carry out trials. Quote, but we noticed that they do the people good. (laughs) It sounds like there's some backdoor dealings where somebody working at like one of these care homes had, I mean... I don't know. I'm just speculating. Right. It's, it's but just vibes-based <laughs> medicine. Like, what is this? Like, but, oh, no, but we noticed it does people good. Like, what? What kind it, of standard I, is that? It's not corruption. It's like a deep cultural belief in, right. in these things, which, yeah, in the case of care homes and COVID is incredibly problematic. Like, homeopathy or any other alternative medicine for chronic pain or uh, IBS could be useful in some cases and not harmful, but in case of a care home or anything to do with a pandemic you're right ted it is extremely problematic yeah and especially with patients who maybe can't um consent to certain things right i mean they said earlier in the article that some people were already sedated yeah without an option given these treatments like that is malpractice (laughs) yeah and um care homes for um extremely vulnerable people yeah again there's like big consent issues there and giving people a false sense of security that they're like oh no this will prevent it and oh, nope so Havelhoa reiterated the claim to the observer in an email stating that the clinic had seen a 12.4 percent fatality rate for patients with COVID-19 
almost half of the German national average of 24%. Out of 145 patients, the hospital said on 10 December 2020, 88 had recovered and 18 had died. Such boasts are met with irritation within Germany's medical community. Berlin's Charité stresses that the most severe cases of coronavirus infections in the city are being treated at its own main hospital, a fact that's more likely to explain Havelhoa's low fatality rate than its use of alternative medicines. So, like, they're just getting the people that aren't as sick and then being like, look, the people that were given fake treatments because they're not as sick, like, oh, they're doing better. Like, this is like the classic thing they, like, tell you, like, about, you know, the like um like sample biases or something they'll be like wow like that's really crazy like hospitals must make people sick uh like look everyone in the hospital is sick and it's like yeah. this is like that in reverse <laughs> like it's like obviously like this is not how the causality goes and if you're only looking at this you're like your sample is totally skewed yeah that's uh that's insane that they repeated that like i find that like I find that so ballsy to like be a hospital and then say like, oh yeah, look, like where our things are better based on this like extremely spotty like data that just doesn't tell the picture. But some historians are not surprised by the Steiner movement's self-assertive stance in the midst of a pandemic. Robert Jutte, a historian of medicine, likened the current situation to the cholera epidemic of the 1830s that gave rise to the homeopathy movement. Throughout history, we can detect a pattern, he said. Whenever academic medicine is poking around in the dark, alternative therapies rise to the top. And that's the end of the article. And I, I don't know if I really agree with that conclusion, like, because, like, yeah, at first there wasn't a cure immediately. But to me, the issue is like, if, you know, if, if there's no good treatments out there and people want to like take some ginger compresses or whatever, like that's fine. The issue is when science actually has developed something that's effective, like a vaccine or like some of the treatments have really gotten better, but then people are using this other stuff in lieu of that. Like that's not academic medicine poking around its head in the dark. It's like these two things fighting when one works and the other doesn't. And then that, as we've said before, I think is where you run into some pretty big ethical problems. Institutions like this hospital then promoting just completely false claims, right? Like, and then you can kind of trace how a vaccine skeptic would then point to the evidence and be like, no, but it's a hospital saying that. And look, there are like numbers, like look at the amount of recovered patients and Right. Yeah, like like having hand, some kernel of truth because yeah. that number came from somewhere and but then just taking it to the completely wrong conclusion. It's very dangerous. Well, and like using like selectively the kind of saying there's value in like the scientific method, basically, like being like, oh, well, we didn't test them, but we know it does people good. And then they're like, you know what? OK, here's the stat we can skew. And it's like they're like they're yeah, they're just using it super selectively. It's like, okay, well, do you believe in trials and statistics or not? Like, just using that as in like... Do you believe a, in science or <laughs> in this house? Right. We... <laughs> yeah, you should You should see my yard signs. <laughs> Your bumper sticker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's almost it. But Michelle, did you, you had discovered a certain kind of uh, tea on the subject of... Uh, 
Well, this is not my own discovery. I did get it from Twitter, but it's a pretty funny example of just kind of the um, spiraling off into useless. uh, (laughs) I don't know how to intro this. You kind of have to like see the picture. (laughs) It's a tea that takes the place of a mask. I thought it was a tea that then makes wearing a mask yeah. not feel so uncomfortable. Oh, I thought it was yeah. providing the same purpose as a mask. <laughs> that would be so funny. I think that would be like <laughs> severe malpractice. Yeah, but, but not, but not, not out of not out of character with these other things. Yeah, because well, when I saw this picture, I found it very. I was also very confused. My my initial thing was like, okay, maybe this you, you like soak your mask in this tea. <laughs> That's where I first went in my head. Okay, so very unclear marketing <laughs> strategy with this uh, Kota Kotas Doctor Kotas company. This is in Austria, and you have pharmacy quality tea that says that for the care of your of your mouth and throat. Right, and yeah. I think that comes it's, from it's just sold irritating. As mask. It's just sold as mask tea. Is yeah, the, yeah. Is it's the just, brand. Yeah, mask tea, and then it says that it like cares for your throat because it's so irritating and like annoying to wear a mask. And the picture on the box is of two people wearing masks. So it, I don't like. Yeah, I, 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 I don't quite know what the. But you know, this is the traditional and the new. They're they're innovating. Like you've got this old company, this tea company from 1795. There's a global pandemic, and they say like, how can we deliver? And it's by repackaging and reboxing some tea they've probably sold for a hundred years with a different label to make people think they're offering a new treatment that's useful. Yep. Um, there's good news for you though, Ted, because there's a lot of. Uh, studies about placebos and they work pretty well even when you know it's a placebo that's true it yeah. is not yeah i've read that as well so maybe you can still give homeopathy a whirl <laughs> next time you have a non-life-threatening condition all right i think that i think that about does it yeah here's a, a little glimpse into uh the the bizarre treatments that are on offer in this country and considered to be real science but before we go <laughs> Just bringing it back all the way to to tea drinking because I think we can all agree that's good. It might not be full medicine, but it's I good. like I like tea drinking. Do you have a? Yeah, I was going to ask though. Like, what is the the tea of winter 2021, 2022? What's going to keep you healthy? What's going to keep you feeling good? I've what already posted for? about it, so I can. Pull well, that can up. you please <laughs> please tell our listeners? Um. No. Yes. The my favorite is this like Yogi Tea brand, which is somewhat overpriced and kind of annoying but um i just don't like the package design but oh, it i is, like it you like it? yeah oh. I, i'm into that new age aesthetic i really like the more traditional like um like the bio company or like the dm one it's just like super plain yeah oh no i love like having <laughs> the swirl ganesh <laughs> <laughs> I have the Halsbarma one at home. Well, this is the best one, Yeah, right? Not that's just, really good. I've I been drinking that. I don't know if you're going to like also say this one, so I didn't want to like steal. But Halsbarma, like throat comfort, is the um, English translation. And it is also in English on the little packets. And I think it's, what is Zeusholz? Um, licorice. Licorice. Yeah, it's like licorice, fennel. Yeah, I love these thyme. licorice teas. So good. Very effective. 
I'm also a big fan of Halswarmer, but I also really enjoy the experience of going into the drugstore or the um, organic store and choosing the tea. Uh, there's so many on offer and they all have different claims and I just really enjoy the experience. What can I say? I'm integrating. (laughs) 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 And I do actually genuinely like the taste of like a lot of these ones that are like sort of prescribed as like for sicknesses and stuff that, you know, I haven't ventured that far. Would you recommend? Well, and I actually agree with you about the plain packaging. So this also, I think, shows that I'm a little bit brainwashed too, maybe because with the plain packaging, I think I believe it's going to do more for me. It's got more of a medical aesthetic. Exactly. It has more of a medical aesthetic, more seems, yeah, more like something a doctor would, you know. But also just to say, like some of these herbal treatments, do you like have well evidence links? I, b- I believe it's that. not the same as homeopathy, and like yeah. plant based or herb based medicine, like is legitimate. Yeah, and it's under researched, I'd say, but there is um, lots of positive yeah. benefits. I really enjoyed the 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 Timian tea, the thyme tea. That's my. Well, that's one of the ingredients in Hyde's family. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Spassbrems would like to thank our, our sponsors, <laughs> Yogi. Fama, uh, Yogi Tea. Steven Pinker and Richard Dawkins. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, Ted, you can talk about your favorite tea. He doesn't have one. He likes Gatorade or whatever you guys drink. <laughs> oh, my God. I actually was sick the other week, and I was, like, pining. I wanted a Glacier Freeze light blue Gatorade like nothing else on earth and I like hey it's isotonic that that actually is medically proven to make you feel better Um, tea tea not worth that either too hot or too cold never the right (laughs) amount of flavor it's just it's not what you want yeah I also prefer drinking sugar water (laughs) Uh, yes all right so I think that uh that probably wraps us up with uh with Germany and it's it's medical traditions. Um, well, yeah. Thanks so much, Alice, for joining. We, uh, you, you, you kept us honest here, and from going on a on a pro science uh, fundamentalist rant. So <laughs> it's good to have an expert that. on this podcast for once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop Ted from being like a pharmaceutical crank. <laughs> <clears throat> pharmaceutical crank. Yep. Um, yeah so yeah thanks everyone for joining you know stay stay healthy out there um keep top up on your meteorite dust drink your tea uh just it's uh, it's gonna be a long winter so you know take care of yourself (laughs) and get your flu shot oh i did that two days ago medical advice okay that's it cheers thanks for joining thanks see you next time Hey, it's Isaac again. That was your semi-weekly episode of Spaßbremse. Thank you so much for listening. And just a reminder to please, if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening and give us a review or share with your friends too, if you feel like it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Spaßbremse underscore pod, where you can tweet us all your comments and complaints. That's at S-P-A-S-S-B-R-E-M-S-E underscore P-O-D. And as Michelle and Ted said at the beginning of this episode, we're also now on Patreon. So if you are able, your support over there would be greatly appreciated too. 
You can find us there at www.patreon.com slash If you weren't paying attention, that's totally okay. All this info is also in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and talk to you next time. Tschüss.